Welcome to Advanced Automation, a podcast by Calvary Robotics, where you'll find industry leaders and experts sharing their thoughts on the world of automation. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening. I'm Josh Gravel, your host for this installment of Advanced Automation. Today, we have with us Eric Weber. Eric Weber is a native of the Finger Lakes region of New York State. He graduated high school from Hammondsport and went on to earn his BSME from the University of Pittsburgh. Eric's automation background started in 1995, and in 2000, he joined Calvary. With over 26 years in the automation industry, Eric has held such roles as engineer, project team lead, and project manager. Currently, Eric is a senior project manager for Calvary Robotics. Throughout the years, his experience in such fields as medical, automotive, alternative energy, and consumer products has led him to be a significant contributor to Calvary's pre-engineered solutions, standards, project management, and business systems. Thanks so much for being with us today, Eric. Hey, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having us on the podcast. You're doing a great job with it, and it's good to get our, our messages and stories out. I agree, and you are, have a long you know story with Calvary, so it's going to be exciting for everyone to hear the earlier years of Calvary through your eyes. I'm going to start with that, kind of going back in time. Your timeline, the past, what your schooling was like, early life, what sparked your interest in engineering in general? Sure. As you mentioned, growing up in the Finger Lakes, so we were in a kind of a semi-remote area, Cuca Lake, you know, miles from town. We spent a lot of time outdoors, riding bikes in the boats and, and helping uh, around the property with dock work, mowing. Later got into the cars and trucks. And it struck me as interesting, trying to figure out how things work. We would tear apart the bikes and put them back together, add gadgets, new parts, always, always wrenching on something. And family was into that as well. And in fact, in Hammondsport, one of their finest natives, Glenn Curtis, was an aviator inventor, turn of the century. And he has a big museum and there's a lot of equipment in there, motorcycles. And he built the first uh, seaplane and grew that company into Curtis Aircraft. And later they merged with their contemporaries at the time with the Wright brothers. And Curtis Wright is actually still in business today. So there was a big manufacturing base in our small town and it's unfortunately kind of gone away, but nonetheless, the lineage is there. It was a bit natural for me because father, grandfather, uncles uh, were engineers and like vehicles, boats and cars and, and just playing around with gearhead stuff. So that's that's one of the primary reasons that, that I kept kept involved with it and wanted to know how things worked. That's interesting. So something in the water might be out there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you watch, you know, you watch a sailboat, you watch a motorboat and, you know, basically anything in motion, there's a ton of uh, science and physics behind it and lots of ways to get involved, right? Whether, you know, some people are involved in the graphics or, you know, they just like the, the speed factor of it. And some people get into, you know, how they work and how to, how to make them work and repair them and so on. Absolutely. So why do you think project management is your career choice? Like what led you to want to do that? Well, it started out, didn't start out that way, you know, in school uh, through math and sciences, wanted to, to get into the technical role. In sophomore year or so at the University of Pittsburgh, there, Pittsburgh had a lot of industry leaders in that area, work with the university for student projects and internships. So we were able to see some of the industry from early second, third year on and ended up in design when I graduated. I never worked on the big boards, uh, but I did start out in 2D AutoCAD, I think it was way back, and worked under senior engineers and builders to learn the machine design. 
And well, like I said, project management was a bit of a road to get there, but never, never started out that way. You know, after a few years in the seat and drawing and designing equipment, I was helping debug a lot of machines on the floor. In fact, there was one project that had miles of conveyor and many, many machines and the machines that I designed were built and running well. So they asked, some of the leadership asked, hey, can you start working on some of these other machines that weren't working as well? So I ended up battling a lot of cleanup on uh, several projects. And, you know, there's a critical role in the invention piece and designing and getting them built initially. And then there's another critical role in getting them debugged and working correctly so we can get them out the door. So as uh, I spent more time with the builders and the electrical and controls engineers and, and the leadership team and the customers, you know, it started evolving into more of a project role instead of strictly engineering. There was an event where uh, one of the project managers on a project I was working with, he moved to another position within the company. So the leadership at the time said, hey, Weber, you'd be fine at this. And actually didn't plan that or know what I was getting into, but ended up acting as the project manager for that. And that was it. Never got back. Never got back to design engineering. So the role of project manager still, we're going to talk some more about that, but you know, you're still in a sense, the lead engineer on the job across all disciplines. So it's still highly technical, which is very, very rewarding for me and challenging. Right. Right. We've talked about that before in some of the other episodes where people don't necessarily end up where they thought they were going, but still using all the tools or lessons along the way to then translate them to whatever they end up doing. So sounds like you kind of went that path as well. That's right. Great. So over the years, I don't know if you could put this into numbers, but how many projects do you think you've managed? I don't have an exact count. The rough number is about 100. 26 years in the industry, not project manager for all those years, but just did some rough math. I would say between 85 and 100. Some are small, you know, half million dollar size machines up to systems that are literally tens of millions of dollars. Huge lines. In fact, one of them and the recent past consumed uh, the entire North Bay of Calvary, which if, if anybody's been at our factory, it's a pretty, pretty impressive site. And picture that entire North Bay filled with equipment. That was one of the larger ones. So I've had medical device and automotive are probably the primary business segments, but certainly a few projects in the alternative energy and consumer products. Absolutely. And within the amount of you know, project spend or the cost times vary too, where it can be months versus over a year, correct? That's right. Some of the quick turns are several months and some of the longer programs can be over a year, year and a half. What would you say the core elements of being a project manager are? You know, we build machinery, right? And we build each each system as a unique project. So the projects have unique scope, budget and schedule. And, and our job as PMs is to deliver that equipment on budget, on schedule, and being we're exceeding all the requirements, whether it's, you know, the rates or the quality, performance of the machine, whatever's defined in that scope, you know, so that that's all you got to do, right? Pretty simple. But it does take a unique set of skills at each, you know, each department, you know, engineering, fab, assembly, debug, all have to work together and the customers have to be heard and their expectations managed and met. You know, we have to negotiate disputes. We have to analyze performance and, and correct things when they go astray. So there are different management styles, of course, and you have to find one that works for you and your team and also help groom the customers, you know, into fans at Calvary. We want, we want our customers to keep coming back. So 
it's a very difficult balance to you know meet the the budgets schedules performance criteria and also keep the customers thrilled with the company and wanting to come back yeah, tightrope walking that's part of your resume <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly so you kind of already touched on this but could you drill down more into why it's critical the life cycle of a project for a project manager to be in the all aspects of it of a project. Yeah. So, you know, the reasons we just talked about, you know, the project has a lot of competing interests. The project needs one champion to connect everything and make it all seamless. And Calvary is a matrix organization. So that means that the operations departments, they supply resources to the projects. Uh, but those managers, they have to, you know, manage the, and benefit all projects. So they're they're looking from a department perspective, trying to, you know, keep everybody focused, efficient, and the customers satisfied, but they hand off to the other departments. But the project managers, you know, they're an advocate only for their projects across all the departments. So the PM is the person who guides the project through every phase of that life cycle from cradle to grave. You know, we work with the sales and the apps team during the quoting phase, and then we own the contract once the purchase order is awarded. That's your project. It's your small business, essentially, or big business if it's a you know sizable project. So throughout the engineering, the build, the debug, qualification, shipment, installation, you know, handoff to production, the PMs in is the primary role, and the company and our customers, you know, have one point of contact, and that's you know one person who knows everything about the job. We don't count the bolts or know how to change an IP address or anything, but but we are the experts on that machine. And, and we have the ability to apply the necessary resources for whatever that problem may be or question or task is at hand. So it's a very different perspective in, in, in terms of you know some of the smaller automation companies or even some of the large automation companies are driven by department leads and, and the customers kind of get handed from department to department through the life cycle of their project. But that's not how Calvary operates. We have the project manager who's your point man or woman start to finish. So could you explain to us the project management professional, the PMP certification? Sure. PMP, that's an acronym for project management professional. And that's a certification that's presented through PMI, which is the Project Management Institute. Now they're an international organization and you know, they aggregate and publish and, and promote project management practices across all industries, honestly. And they take the best practice and standardize the language. They standardize the process in an attempt to, you know, educate everyone, improve performance and, you know, standardize the industries. And we learn a lot from them because it's, you know, it's a resource from PMs to see what others are learning and putting into practice and Having that PMP certification means the PM has been exposed to all these different concepts and, and has demonstrated that through both the work experience, there's a work experience component to your PMP certification, and a challenging exam. And the exam is, it is challenging. You're given four hours to complete it. And I remember I, I used every last minute of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge to be, to be sure. So that PMP certification kind of gives gives the company and the customers uh, comfort that, okay, this this person's educated in, in a standard process and is going to be able to manage with, with some metrics that are pretty much uh, universal throughout throughout the industries. How long have you been PMP certified? Certification was in 
02 or 03. So it's been close to 20 years. What separates Calvary's project management team from others? Quite a few things, Josh. One is our team structure itself. We have a lot of experience in our project management team, particularly experience in automation. So, you know, one of the qualities for project management is to, to be an expert in your field. And having project managers that know the industry and, and can help on a technical level is, is one of our keys that definitely set us apart. Our project management team members, their experience levels are, you know, on average 10 to 15 years minimum. And we have a structured system that we follow. We have a process. So our projects all are executed in a similar fashion. And we've tuned that process over the years so that it's efficient, but also provides, you know, the, the level of detail that's necessary so, so we don't miss anything. And, and we've had compliments over the years uh, from many customers on the diligence of the PM systems and the project managers themselves. So seems to work very well and sets us apart. And cross-pollination from one industry to the next. You might use a technology in the medical that applies to automotive and it can help you learn along the way. Yeah, absolutely. There, We'll talk a little more about standards and how we apply those uh, little bit later, but the industry to industry, there are similarities, but there are also ways that, uh, you know, just one simple example I can think of is validation. You know, we picked up skills from the medical device industry on validation that typically weren't followed in consumer products or alternative energy. And when we applied those in those other industries, it, it made a, a big improvement in terms of the efficiencies we were able to achieve and, and the qualification process just going a lot smoother. That's just one example. Absolutely. Can you tell us about a project that stands out to you and has helped you keep passionate over all these 26 years of being in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. There was several recently, but probably the one that stands out head and shoulders above the rest is is in 2020. We were challenged as part of a COVID response to build a system for a local manufacturer that builds the test kits that are being used, you know, pretty much everywhere. They're being used in hospitals, doctor's offices, pharmacies, clinics. So this was at the start of the pandemic in April of 2020, we were quoting the system and we got the PO purchase order around the 1st of May. And this was a very, very large system. There were, forget the exact number, 20, 25 or 26 robots, several hundred feet of conveyors and actually more like several thousand feet of conveyors and a lot of assembly machines scattered about. And we started that order the 1st of May. We were all remote at the time, so it was very challenging learning that learning in that environment because it's the first time that we'd had a full engineering effort working remotely, but it, it worked very well. And we went seven days for, you know, long days for many, many weeks just to get started in, in the engineering. And, and we were releasing parts for fabrication as soon as we could get them designed. We ran parallel designs in some cases where we didn't have time to prototype. We didn't have time to, you know, really debate through the virtues of two designs. So we built, we built two in parallel and, you know, basically replicated whichever one worked the best after we got it built. We, we had to pre-order components. We were ordering robots and servos and motors and indexers and conveyors before we had the design work done. And, and the engineers had to, had to cram in that, that pre-ordered component because we, 
we had to get our hands on it. We couldn't do the normal design cycle. And we paid a lot for expediting, uh, double shifts. We were doing things like hiring suppliers to actually send their techs and be on site with no, you know, work description, no defined task. Uh, you know, just get here because we're going to put you to work once, once you're here. And we ended up installing that equipment in July and August of 2020. So, you know, think about that from May to August. And this was tens of millions of dollars that we were able to design and build all in a short span of four months, four to five months. And it was, you know, quite satisfying, number one, to help, you know, address the pandemic and, and watch that those tractor trailer trucks leave with these crates and crates and crates of test kits coming off our equipment. And it was emblematic of everything we do. We had to invent the equipment, build it, install it and get it running all in record time. And that always stand out, you know, one of our, one of our big achievements and uh, something that can make you feel good. You know, it's different than just building a machine that slams together parts that go into some other device or, or whatever is in terms of, you know, satisfaction levels, seeing all those test kits go out the door. So that was a great project will always uh, stand out in my memory. What advice would you give someone who wants to get into project management? <laughs> advice they tell them to run <laughs> <laughs> go the other way yeah try something else <laughs> uh but uh seriously if you're interested in in project management it is very satisfying you, you need to be willing to learn you know all aspects of the process you know don't don't shy away from something you don't understand and instead you got to dive in and, and and learn it and, and i don't mean learn it at the technical level where the experts are but understand the language and how the decisions are made and how the outcomes can, can affect the project. So you got to be ready to, to help people with unsolvable problems, you know, be willing to listen to the experts and you know, piece together all the puzzles, communicate things, whether they're good or bad. That's one of the tough parts, but something that can set a project manager apart. You know, everybody likes to uh, bring good news, but it's not easy bringing up the tough conversations, but it's part of the job. You have to uh, speak up when the room, you know, makes that awkward silence, right? There's occasions where, you know, you have an unsolvable problem. There's no good answers. And in fact, I remember one time we were, you know, sitting around and the room was silent. And one of my leads who happens to jab at me for fun says, uh, well, Weber must be lonely at the top. And we all laughed. But you had to speak up. You had to get through it. That's part of it too. You know, project managers need to motivate the people, but also, you know, everybody's a little different. I try and bring a little humanity and humor to it. You know, one time the machines were debugging, weren't running well, suppliers were late, the prototypes weren't weren't producing good parts that we needed to prove before we really started scaling up the debug. And customers were edgy, everyone's working, you know, long and hard. And I remember in a meeting I said, Well, clearly what we need is somebody to pull this all together. And I kind of did a single clap and shake my fist and said, now who, who's it going to be? Everyone was looking around kind of sheepishly. And I waited a moment and I said, well, just me. It can't be just me. Who's going to help? And and it was kind of sounds corny, but you know, one guy says, yeah, I'll help. I'll help. And another one jumps up. Yeah, I'm going to help. And it was one of those moments where people kind of grabbed the shovel and started digging right, right with you. And you got to be willing to, to do that. In the trenches with them. That's right. Yeah. So that worked on that, you know, particular day. And we, we ended up uh, pulling together. It took a long time. Obviously, these machines, you know, there's weeks and weeks of debug to get them all done. But 
Another example, what PMs can do to help is try and you know, get people to think a little bit more outside the box. I hate to use a phrase like that, but one machine, we, we could not get it running and, and we weren't making our metrics. And we met each morning as we do with all projects and, you know, get a daily plan and so on. And, and it was a Wednesday. I remember we met and we'd had a bad day on Tuesday. And so I told everybody, hey, we're not running the machine today. Not at all. We're going to clean the machine. I want you to sweep the floors and you're going to organize your toolboxes. You're going to get the workbenches straightened out, clean up the drawing table, break down and pack all the unused parts, get the stock return. But I want you to carry a notepad and a pen. And I want you to be writing down any thought you have throughout the day uh, that we can change or do better. I, I borrowed this from a, a senior project manager from long, long ago. And, and basically what we did in this uh, scenario, we got the team working on, you know, just, just moving all day long, cleaning or whatever, where there wasn't a lot of thought going into that particular activity, but they could think about, hey, what are we going to do differently tomorrow? So when we turn the machine on, uh, you know, we'll have better success. So they were making their notes throughout the day. And, and then the next morning we went through and read through the notes. We Blasted them up on uh, whiteboards and started, you know, drawing the fish bones and picking out which ones would be prioritized. And you know, eventually, a few of them led us to some breakthroughs. So, you know, that's not anything that we do on every single project, and it's in our process. It's just something that that as a PM, you got to think about different ways to connect with people, and that that was pretty successful on that occasion. Yeah, I think that does kind of put a nice overview of what a project manager does. You think outside the box, you pi you do pivot when it's necessary. You might not think right away it's going to be directly involved, but it, it helps hone in and figure out any problem that you might have in a little bit different way. I, I like that. Right. There isn't a, you know, PM 101 book. You just step through these 12 processes and you'll be done. It's you've got to imp improvise. Yeah especially with basically every project being different in, in a lot of ways. That's right. How do you keep up to speed with technology? It's always changing. It's ever revolving. What's the best way that you kind of keep up to date with the newest things? Good question. There's a couple things come to mind. Our suppliers play a big part in that. They're bringing new technology. You know, we buy OEM parts for uh, all kinds of different sub automation components, you know, robots or control systems or vision systems or, you know, motion systems. So their leading technology is generally bringing to us to help us, you know, reduce cost or improve quality or improve rates, things like that. Customers as well, though, we, you know, we, we have to innovate new manufacturing technologies based on whatever product they happen to show. And they may have, the customers may have some prototyping or some pilot machines that, bring a new technology that we have to industrialize, you know, and it really helps from a, you know, knowledge base and performance base when we have these, these new products and new, new customers come to us. So they bring some as well, you know, vision guidance, uh, AI, machine learning, safety networks, supervisory control, uh, cloud computing, you know, all these uh, areas are, exploding and we're at the forefront of that developing new machinery and new assembly processes 
You spoke earlier about Calvary's pre-engineered solutions and their standards. Could you go into how you help contribute and the global benefits of those things for Calvary? Sure. So the standards that we've developed over the years allow us to reduce the cycle time of the engineering effort because we can use pre-engineered blocks for all types of different functions, whether it's motion functions or inspection functions, conveyance, pick and places, robotic applications. So we can use a design that, that we've already proven, change the, change the tooling for the particular process. Like I say, it, it really helps us in terms of uh, delivery and cost because that, you know, if you look at each machine as a one-off first generation and you're going to design everything from scratch, you know, that, that'd be like, you know, building a car without any manufacturing equipment. So it really helps when you have these pre-engineered pieces that you can drop in and customize. And we're adding to it, you know, continuously. If we find a station design that, that works well and we can apply it, we go through an effort to put that in our standards library and, and bring it all into uh, something that can be easily replicated. So I, I think the biggest biggest benefits there are for uh, performance and and cost and, and schedule. You're, you've already pre-engineered that that portion of the project. Just takes your workload down and provides a you know solid product for the customer. Right, reduces the time to market for them as well. Absolutely does. Yes, you know you can look at uh, what our engineering cycles in in general design build can be. You know thirty to forty percent. So. If you take, you know, let's say you take half of that out, you're going to reduce your schedules, you know, by at least 15%. So you've been in the greater Rochester region for pretty much your whole life. What keeps you living here, working here, and other favorite aspects? Well, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I uh, grew up in the Finger Lakes. It's a beautiful area uh, for those who have not ever been. You know, deep, clear lakes, great topography, uh, forests, and parks, wineries, small towns, things like that. It's a pretty unique area, at least in my perspective. And yeah, I enjoy being outdoors and spend most of my free time under the sky and, and not under a ceiling. So I feel there's a lot of opportunities here to enjoy, enjoy the outdoors and the, all that those wilderness areas have to offer. But it, at the same time, you know, uh, Rochester area, Webster, is they have a lot to offer. Easy commutes, you know, housing's very affordable. And you know, the Great Lakes are right on our shore here and, and the Adirondack Park in New York City are you know, half day right away. So I think it's a, a good mixture for whatever your interests may be. There's a lot of high tech companies in our area. You know, Rochester was a leader in the technology with some very big brand name companies that have, you know, maybe some of them are past the heyday, but they've spurred, you know, many smaller high tech companies. So there's a, a great talent pool and a, and a great opportunity for, you know, industry here. It's got to be, you know, Calvary in general has got to be one of the, gotten to be one of the leaders in the automation industry. So it's a, it's a great place to be with respect to our competitors. You know, we, we've done so many things in terms of standardization, our project management systems and our technology. That I think in, in terms of the automation industry, it's a great place to grow. You know, you just got to be ready to grab the winter jacket and find some good in, in, in part of the year when it's cold out, you know, love to ski, sled, and there are other, other great things to do in the cold if you look for it. And the summers are fantastic, really, because they're never super, super hot, and you can be outside and, and you don't have to 
shelter from some of the heat and humidity in other areas of the country. But another, you know, another aspect about Calvary that is attractive for me is, is we've grown, you know, quite a bit over the years, but we still have a small company type of atmosphere. You know, everyone's accountable. You have to get the job done and, and we don't have committees to work through. It's pretty much streamlined and, and allows a lot of flexibility. So we do have a lot of process, but I, I feel we've made it efficient and and not taxing. It, it really helps us move the projects along and, and a lot of great people here at Calvary. I absolutely agree with that. What advice would you give a younger self if you could do it? I guess in my situation, perhaps uh, stay in design a little bit longer. <laughs> I was a design engineer for a number of years, got pulled in the project management, maybe a little bit sooner than I'd wanted to, but who knows? That's just speculation. Maybe branch into controls. I was a mechanical engineer, but you know the control side is, is pretty fascinating to me as well. So learn more. Be a sponge. Get everything you can out exactly. of everything. Where do you see the field of engineering and automation going? Any predictions? Well, we talk about standards. I do see that as you know growing, and and we've developed many of the standards, the chassis, the robots, conveyance, and I see our custom automation using more and more of those pieces to reduce costs, reduce lead time, eliminate some of the discovery with custom automation. Uh, I see a lot more machine vision and machine learning, AI, and those types of technologies. And it's all in in an effort, in my opinion, to, to, to bring our costs down. And I'm hoping that you know our U.S. manufacturing base can improve one way through machinery, like like we've said, and hopefully we have a techn- technologically skilled workforce, you know, and, and legislation to support that. And, and you know, there's there's really read once that you know there's really only three ways to generate wealth: you have to grow it, you have to mine it, or you have to manufacture it. And we can't be a nation of services. We have we have to be a nation that generates wealth and manufacturing is a huge part of that. So hopefully our machinery keeps our customers competitive and uh, brings a lot more of it back back to our shores. And we get to work with robots. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you, Eric? Uh, sure. Yeah. Probably the best way is through our Calvary website. It's calvaryrobotics.com. You'll find multiple ways to contact people through there. My email address is eweber, E-W-E-B-E-R, at calvaryrobotics.com. Feel free to give me an email and figure out how we can help. All right, Eric. Well, thank you so much for your time and the look back at the history of your career and Calvary in general. Thanks a lot, Josh. I enjoyed it, and um, be seeing seeing you soon. Awesome. Make sure to subscribe to Advanced Automation wherever you get your podcasts. And head over to calvaryrobotics.com to listen to other episodes, watch our series, Calvary TV, and lots of other great content about Calvary Robotics. Have a great day.